Good morning, church. Happy Sunday. We're so glad that you're joining us today. My name is Megan. I'm the women's ministry director here. And I just want to share a few things that are coming up here at Church on the Calendar. First of all, just another quick reminder, we have our men's breakfast coming up this coming Saturday, May 22nd at 7 a.m. It's right here on campus. It's $5 and it's going to be a great time. So we hope that you'll join us. And then also next weekend, Sunday, May 23rd, we are celebrating Pentecost Sunday. And so we're going to be having baptisms at the services. And if you are interested in that, will you email Lori here at the church and she'll get back to you with some more information. We're also bringing back Sunday lunch. So we hope that you'll stay after second service or come back if you come to the first service and enjoy lunch with us. So it's $5 here at church. It's just a really good time to hang out with your church family and just get more connected with people. And then finally, I'm excited to announce to you, you've probably already heard that we have VBS coming back here at ABC and we're really excited. Uh, we have tons of kids already signed up, but we still need a handful of adult volunteers. So if you're interested in that, would you please email Sandy and she will give you all the information about that. You can also check out our website and there's information on signing up yourself as a volunteer or for kids. Um, and so we also are asking for donations. Uh, if you've heard, we're doing it outdoors. So we're going to be drinking a lot of water. So we're asking for donations of small plastic cups, water bottles, and individual sized snacks. So if you would love to bless um, the church and the kids with those things, you can just drop those items off um, here at church in the office or on Sunday. Well, church, we hope you have a great Sunday. Thanks for joining us. Welcome and thanks for joining us as we continue in our series in the book of Philippians. Um, today we're Philippians chapter 2 verse 12, work out your salvation and uh, get an opportunity to do a deep dive into just one verse. Uh, I actually love doing this, uh, taking the opportunity to, to take a verse that's been really meaningful for me in terms of my life um, and in ministry and really spend some time just developing what the Apostle Paul is talking about here. And he says in verse 12, he says, So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, and here it is, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Now many people, when they think about Christianity, they just think of it as just another religion with a bunch of rules. Their idea of religion many times is that it is just a bunch of rules. And, and then they ask the follow-up question saying this, well, do I really need anybody else telling me what I should do? Uh, some would say that it seems like all the fun stuff is Ill, either illegal, immoral, or fattening. And, uh, and, you know, sometimes it feels that way. And when the Apostle Paul is telling them to obey or commending them for, for their obedience, uh, let's be honest, obey is not a real popular word. It's not something that we like to hear. And particularly when there's this tension that you feel, that there's this idea that there's all of these rules, there's things that we can't do, where's the freedom? Where's the grace, you know? And when we talk about our own experience with God, God wants the best for us. He really does. And so when the Apostle Paul is, is following up on this and he writes to these dear friends of his and he commends them for their obedience, he's doing so because he recognizes that 
This is really in their best interest. When they obey God, when they obey God's principles, things just go better. And so when he says, so my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, he's, he's commending them because he's so pleased that they are walking with God and they are being spared the pain and the grief that comes when we, in fact, don't obey God. There's so many examples of that from the Old Testament of the children of Israel disobeying God and as a result experiencing the consequences. Here, Paul, as he's nurturing these new believers, says, listen, man, your life is going to go so much better for you if you'll just simply live by these principles that God is, is teaching us. And, uh, and just like we as parents want to spare our children grief, so the Apostle Paul says, hey, obedience is the path to freedom. Obedience is the path to happiness. It was true for them, and it's true for us today, too. And Paul loves these people so much that he wants what's best for them, and he wants them to live by God's principles. And so what we've looked at in terms of this, this truth that we have looked at over these past weeks now is this selfless living. When you live a selfish life, really, it doesn't work for anyone, not even yourself. And yet, when you choose to live the selfless life, it works for everyone, including yourself. It works much better for yourself. So when we see this verse again in verse 12, So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. He does say, work out your salvation. He does not say, work for your salvation. In a sense, what he's saying is, this principle is the work that salvation entails. These are the things that salvation, when you are saved, when you're truly saved, these are the things that I want you to put into practice in your life. Work at it. And salvation, by the way, does take work. We know that in Ephesians chapter 2, it says this, For by grace you have been saved through faith, that not of yourselves is a gift of God, not a result of works that no one should boast. Okay, salvation is free. We don't get it by working for it. That's what the Apostle Paul is saying. But this has led to some confusion for people because even though it is free, it's a free gift of God. As we've said before, as I spoke several weeks ago about this idea of earning it, there is a component of it that we are to work out our salvation. It's the process called sanctification. Again, sanctification is a word that not a lot of people understand, but transformation they do. And so we've, over the last several years, just used the word transformation because it's just more helpful for people in terms of their understanding. God is in this process of transforming us, and we are in the process of being transformed. And that's that work or the working out of our salvation. And so when we talk about our Christian experience, what we need to understand is that it takes effort to grow. It takes work. Work out your salvation. And so I want to take this one verse and look at God's workout plan, okay? God's workout plan for our salvation, picking up these principles. First one being, selfless be selfless when he says in verse 12 at the very beginning so then he's reflecting back on what he's just said so then because these things are true so then and he and he moves into his argument now remember what it said back in 
chapter 2, at the beginning of chapter 2, verse 3 there, it says, Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, let each of you regard one another as more important than himself. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interest of others. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. This is the principle that he's talking about, this selfless living. Following the example of Jesus, Jesus emptying himself. First uh, John chapter 2, verse 6 says, The one who says he abides in Christ ought to himself walk in the same manner as he walked. Jesus is always our example. No matter what you're going through in your life, no matter what struggle you're going through, when you're having a difficult time being obedient, doing what Jesus tells you to do in a hard situation, the example is always Jesus. Look to Jesus. One of the most challenging things for people to do is to forgive other people when they've been hurt by those people. And yet we're commanded to forgive one another. And the example is always forgive one another as Christ has forgiven you. In other words, Jesus is always the role model. He's always the example. And so when we think about this selfless living, it's living like Jesus did, okay? And so that's our first point is be selfless. Secondly, personalize your love. He uses this phrase, my beloved. Paul wants these people to understand that they are greatly loved. And for us, it's very, very important for us to be able to communicate to others our care for them as well. That we have that same affection, that love for, for others. Um, Paul didn't love these people because they were necessarily easy to love. Uh, he was very aware of their weaknesses. He was very aware of their shortcomings, and yet he, he loved them. And, and here's the thing about Paul, it's, it's interesting. He was very aware of his own shortcomings. See, when we're aware of our own shortcomings, it's easier to be more tolerant and loving of others as well with their shortcomings. In fact, we're going to look at this soon. But in chapter 3, if we go to chapter 3 of, of Philippians, verse 12, he says this about himself. And, and this humility of Paul is amazing. Not that I have already obtained it yet or have already become perfect. Okay, far from it. But I press on in order that I may lay hold of that which was also laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, reaching forward to what lies ahead. I press on towards the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. This idea that, you know, I'm far from perfect, I acknowledge that, but I do, I continue to press on. And so it is that when you talk about loving other people, it's being aware of their shortcomings and all and still having a love for them, uh, and, and, and pressing on like the Apostle Paul described in his own life, a genuine love from the heart with the affection of the Lord Jesus Christ in spite of the shortcomings of others is what we all need. It's what we all long for, and it's what the Apostle Paul was demonstrating to them. You want to work out your salvation, okay? Then the, the truth is be selfless and, and, and be loving, loving from the heart for the person that's in front of you. Third is be obedient, just as you have always obeyed. We've talked about this a little bit, but, uh, you know, again, obedience is a challenge because we don't really like other people telling us what to do, but when we understand that obedience is going to le lead to a, a better life, 
um, it, it helps. It helps us and that we want to embrace obedience. In fact, what's interesting is that when the gospel was going to, to different regions in the book of Acts, we see that Lydia, if you'll remember Lydia, that, that Christian businesswoman, you know, when she was listening to, uh, to Paul and stuff, she, she opened up her heart to what Paul spoke. And, and literally, she just wanted to know more so that she could obey more. And then you see in Acts chapter 17, that next chapter, we see these Bereans. And it said, they received the word with great eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see whether these things were so. These were people that, that loved the word of God. They studied the word of God to learn more so that they could obey more. It's this idea of, of living a life pleasing to God, being obedient to what God's word tells us to do. And that's why we spend so much time studying the word of God and teaching the word of God because it leads to this life of fulfillment. Uh, obedience leads to a fulfilling life. Romans chapter 1 verse 5 says, you know, to bring about the obedience of faith for his namesake. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 15 says, be careful how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. And when Jesus left his great commission for his followers in Matthew chapter 28, he says this, he says, teaching them, again, going into all the world, but teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. Other translations say teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. This lifestyle of obedience is a part of working out our salvation. Fourth is this idea of integrity. Integrity when no one is watching. He says this, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. So the question becomes this. What do you do when no one is watching? We must take personal responsibility for our behavior. And, uh, and you know, when, when no one is watching, what do we do? Uh, sin nature is something, isn't it? We, we have to be so aware of our own shortcomings, as Paul described in, in Philippians chapter 3, our own weaknesses. And, and the sin nature has the ability to rationalize all kinds of things, doesn't it? Uh, you, you can kind of tell where a person's at in terms of their own spiritual obedience uh, when they justify wrong behavior or, or when they blame other people for their failures, or, or when they blame their circumstances for their failures. Many times uh, we're involved in situations where we're trying to help people work through difficulty in their lives, whether it be in their own personal life or in their marriage and, and all of that. And it doesn't take very long to be able to kind of assess where a person's at, because when a person is justifying their behavior, making excuses, when they are blaming other people and, and when they're blaming their circumstances, you know, literally saying, well, you, you don't know what my circumstances are like. You don't know what I've been through. If you did know what I'd been through, then you'd maybe understand why I did what I did. Integrity, friends, assumes full responsibility for our behavior, for our actions. Integrity is not only acknowledging our failures, but it's also being aware that we do the right thing when no one is looking, not simply when people are looking. Paul, he's saying to these people, hey, you did a great job when I was there. Keep it up when I'm gone. 
this is so indicative of our lives, isn't it? There are seasons that we do really well when we have high levels of accountability and, and we have other people in our lives. But sometimes, you know, when we, when we kind of get in a, a season where we don't have that level of accountability and all, we revert back into some really destructive patterns in our lives. My question again to you is, what do you do when no one's looking? I mean, the classic example for is when a, a, a young person, a Christian young person, goes away to college, and all of a sudden you find out that they're doing all kinds of things, you know, that they never did before. You, you really do find out what their true commitment level to Christ is. Um, for those of you who travel in business, men and women who, who travel for their jobs, what do you do when you're away from home? All kinds of destructive things happen in the secrecy of business trips and business meetings and other kinds of things like that. Uh, integrity says that I'm going to do what's right when, theoretically, no one's looking. The Apostle Paul was hundreds of miles away. The only way he could know what they were doing was through correspondence or through reports from people who had come to visit them. And he said, this is... This is what I want to hear about you guys, that you're doing well, even though I'm not there keeping you accountable. And he reminds them of their responsibility uh, spiritually as well. Uh, ultimately, what we know, it's not obeying Paul, right? <laughs> it's obeying the Lord. And, and it's true with us as well. We're, we're called to obey the Lord. Remember back in Philippians chapter 1, verse 27, when it says, Conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel. That, that concept that I, I shared on, on earning it, so that whether I come and see you or remain absent, I will hear that you are standing firm in one spirit, one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Such a, a, a powerful thing. I want to be able to hear about you guys, that you're doing well. Uh, integrity says, I'm going to do the right thing, whether somebody's watching or not. And Paul said, that's what I want to hear about you guys. And then uh, this, is, this is really the gist of, of what I wanted to get here today, and that is the fifth point, and that is remember the consequences of sin. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Understanding the consequences, uh, being aware of the consequences of sin, God in his love and his mercy and his forgiveness uh, holds us accountable for our disobedience, and we need to remember that. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 8, it says, If we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The apostle John said, Hey, listen, sin is a part of our experience. Uh, don't deny it. Don't rationalize it. Don't justify it. Own it. Okay, that's integrity. Own it. Be responsible for it and confess it to God. Uh, what Paul is talking about here when he says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, he uses two of the, the, the toughest words. When he says fear, he uses the word phobos, which literally means fright or terror. That you're to, to not, not simply this reverential awe, but this terror of sin. Trembling, it literally means shaking. He's, he's trying to express in terms, he's saying this, you need to be terrified of sin. It needs to make you shake. You need to recognize how vulnerable you are potentially to sin and how destructive it will be in your lives. And I can tell you, and many of you have experienced, 
the shipwreck of a life because of the sin in their lives and trying to pick the pieces up again and how devastating it is in. And if they would have thought in advance, if there would have been a fear and trembling of what they were about to do, the consequences that would come as a result of what they were about to do, certainly they would have done something different. I've shared this story a number of times through the years, but this verse has been so helpful for me, this idea of fear and trembling. Uh, When I was early in ministry, I had three experiences of men that I respected deeply that uh, morally failed. And um, boy, I tell you, as I said before, my first experience as a fairly new Christian. It was a, a, a youth pastor. And, and when I found out about it, I was just angry. I mean, I was so angry that literally I, I wanted to go beat him up. <laughs> I mean, that's how, and, and that's how you respond in immaturity, right? Then I'm in college and, and, and seminary, and I had a, a guy that I looked up to who was, who was chairman of the theology department, and when he failed morally as well, uh, boy, at that point, instead of being angry, I was just devastated. And, and then I had a, a third time where a senior pastor who's been very influential in my life found out that, that he'd been involved in an inappropriate relationship. And, and man, at that point then, I reverted to this. It was a fear and trembling. It scared the life out of me because I began to assess the, the caliber of those individuals thinking, man, if these guys failed, what chance do I have? And so for the rest of my life and for these 36 years in ministry, in some degree, I've been running scared. Scared of what would happen if I was to fail morally, not just to my wife and my family, but to the church and to the community and all of those things. And by the grace of God, I can say that, that I've never had a, a, a moral failure. You know, I've never been involved in an adulterous relationship. And it's not because I'm so special or so strong or anything else. To be honest, it's a big part of this is this, this verse. Because of my fear, and literally that fear and trembling um, uh, has been very, very actually helpful in terms of protecting me and, and, and our ministry, I believe, as well. In Isaiah 66, too, it says, This is the one... Uh, uh, to this one I will look, to him who is humble and contrite in spirit and who trembles at my word. Okay, This is the one I'm going to look at, the humble one, the one who's contrite, who trembles at my word. It's this, this principle. And, in, and we know that from Psalm 111.10 and Proverbs 1.7, uh, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. This idea here is that we need to be just very aware of our own shortcomings and how devastating uh, it can be in our own lives in terms of our own sin. Uh, we got to fight temptation with everything in us. And it's so interesting, you know, because Solomon says, How blessed or happy is the man who fears always, Proverbs 28, 14. Um, it's so interesting that this idea of fear is so integral in terms of walking with uh, the Lord as well uh, and how pride is the enemy that can be so deceptive uh, in our own relationships. Friends, we're all vulnerable. We are all vulnerable. We need to be humble. We need to be contrite. 
We need to be aware of the consequences of sin and that there ought to be a healthy fear and trembling that comes along with that. You know, when the disciples uh, ask Jesus to teach them how to pray, do you remember one of the things that Jesus said? And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. You know, that we would pray continually. Temptation is a part of our experience, you know, Deliver us from that. Deliver us from evil. We're going to be tempted. You know, temptation is real. It's going to be there. But the fact is, is that God says, you know, that we have the ability to overcome it with a healthy respect, following Jesus, and being aware of our own shortcomings and our own weakness. Uh, prayer, you know, shows us a couple of things. There's two things that, that shows us in, in terms of our prayer. Number one, when we pray like Jesus said we should pray, it shows us we need God's help with temptation, but it also shows us that we're responsible for our actions. So when we pray, as it relates specifically to, to temptation, when we pray, we need to recognize, yeah, God's there to help us, but we have our responsibility. Therefore, okay, it's our job to work it out. This literally is this workout, this idea that we're to work it out, we're to keep working on it until it's complete, this idea of an exercise program, so to speak. What does this workout look like? Well, uh, we find in Colossians, or 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and Colossians 3 both, it says this, that we are to cleanse ourselves from all of the defilement of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness and the fear of God. God, setting our minds on things above, not things on the earth, because we have died to sin and their lives are now hidden with Christ. This idea here of us cleansing ourselves from, from the defilement of the flesh and, and in fear of the Lord and setting our minds on things above, not things on this earth, where we focus on. And it takes effort. You know, it really does take effort. 1 Corinthians 9.24 do you not know that those who run in the race all run, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way as that you might win. Everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things. They do it then for a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. Therefore, I run in such a way as not without aim. I box in such a way as not beat in the air, but I discipline my body and make it my slave, so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified. I discipline myself. I buffet my body, he says. These are things that we are called to do. You know, when he was talking, when Paul was talking to young Timothy, he said, flee from these evil things, you man of God. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, perseverance, gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Hold uh, to, the, uh, to the eternal life to which you were called. And you made the good confession the presence of many witnesses. Friends, this concept of working out our salvation, it takes real effort. It, you know, you've heard that phrase, you know, uh, just of letting go and let God. Uh, this is not passive. This is aggressive. This is hardcore. God is calling us to a deep level of commitment to these principles the principles of working out our salvation and remembering how devastating sin can be in our lives. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Be obedient to the Lord. 
It's the best thing that you can do for your life and all of those who are around you as well. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I, th I thank you for this one passage of Scripture that we were able to focus on today, Lord. It, it has been so helpful even in my own experience, in my own life. Uh, Lord, having a, a healthy fear um, for sin and that, that, Lord, this process of salvation, Lord, even working out our salvation, understanding that there's real effort that it takes on our part. And so, Lord, I just did even pray for for any person today, God, that's listening to this, Lord, that's that's really made a series of, of, of bad decisions, God. It's never too late to repent. It's never too late to turn around. Now is an appropriate time to do so. And God, for those who are who are kind of on the edge right now, who are who are making decisions that could lead to devastating consequences in their lives, Lord, that they would choose to be obedient to you, uh, obey you. Lord, and do the right thing. It's the best thing they can do for themselves and for the people that they love in their lives. God, I just thank you for, for your word and how real it is, how honest it is in terms of our, our own experience. And Lord, I just pray that we would find ourselves pleasing to you because of the obedience that comes from our heart because we love you. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.